2: You're listening to iFanboy Talks Float with Rick Remender, writer of Fear Agent, The Punisher, and X-Force. Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Explode. My name is Ron Richards, and this time around we're joined by Rick Remender, one of our favorite writers of one of our favorite books, Fear Agent, which has its final arc starting up this July. So we talked to Rick about that, as well as his upcoming work for Marvel on X-Force, as well as what's been going on on Punisher. We get an update on Last Days of American Crime, as well as answer some of your questions as polled on Twitter. It was a good time talking to Rick, so take a listen. All right, I'm here with Rick Remender, uh, writer of many comic books. How you doing, sir?
3: I'm good,
2: Ron. How you doing? I'm doing well, doing very well. So, um, so yeah, so a lot to talk about it's been about uh, been about six months or so since we last chatted. That was back in the in the in the winter times, and now we're here That's in right. summer. So it's good, it's good to hear from you. Is it
3: is it it's summer? I, I'm in Portland. I can't really tell, yeah, but I'll take word
2: for it. It's close. I'm in San Francisco, so it just it's never it's just cold. So we'll,
3: right, we'll, right, we'll right.
2: Do. But anyway, um, so yeah, so the reason why we wanted to to get on the phone and talk to you is because um, lo and behold, a new Fear Agent arc seems to be coming out.
3: It seems to be. Yeah.
2: Yes, so so what's
3: the story? <laughs> um, well, yeah, we've got the last arc, and uh, we've been slowly putting it together over the last year and wanted to make sure that it wasn't rushed and that it got the time that it needed to to you know be amazing. and I yeah. think that it is. I've just put the first couple two issues to bed, and I'm about to write the final issue. Um and uh I'm I'm incredibly happy with it. I think that it's uh it it stays true to the initial outline that I wrote back in two thousand and four when we first started cooking this thing up, Tony Moore and I, and the uh I think people will be satisfied with the end result. We uh you know, there's something nice about coming to the conclusion that you had initially intended to come to. And, you know, we've got a. I feel like there's an integrity to ending the thing where we're ending it right now.
2: Now, is this, you're ending it, but is this, it's not, is it the end of Fear Agent? Like, do you think someday you'll come back to it? Or is this like, is this more like a pause? Or is it, or is it done? Um, you're walking away.
3: Well, it's actually a five issue arc. And we've made sure that each issue is 32 full pages of comic book.
2: Oh, wow. So that's um, even more. That's great. Awesome.
3: It was, it's 22 pages of main story and an 8 page backup and then a couple pages of, of various uh, sketchbook and pinup up things so we wanted to make sure that what, what we put out was, you know, um, for all the people who have stuck with us and, and made the book a, a hit and enabled us to keep doing it for as long as we have we wanted to make sure that it was packed full of all, of the, all the goodness we could get in there and, um, and also to make sure that the final chapter wasn't rushed and that it had plenty of time to breathe and everything right. had plenty of space to grow um, but it does feel to me now that I'm, now that I'm writing the last issue, um, it does feel to me that it probably will be the end. Um, you know, that's, I, I'd hate to say that it definitely absolutely is because it's also kind of depressing while I'm writing it. Right. Um, I, I really, I really, uh, I, to inhabit Heath is, is a lot of fun and it's a character that I identify with and I can write, you know, uh, it's, it's very natural and, uh, it's a pleasurable experience for me. So. Doing this, doing this final five issues has been—it's been again uh, tremendous in that we get to do the final story, and that there's been enough support of it in, in, in this market to get a creator-owned book up to you know issue 32, 33 when we're going to wrap it up. Um, I, th- I feel really proud of the, the accomplishment in and of itself, but um, but getting there. Uh, it's bittersweet it's nice to be there but it's also very sad to sort of you know be be telling what will very likely be the last the last fear agent story All
2: right. and so how so how is the art duty shaking out on the on the issues is is tony and jerome trading off or tony just doing it jerome just doing it
3: um jerome is busy uh busy 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 on x-force and and, and won't be involved in this unfortunately so, the way we've broken it down is we've got Mike Hawthorne doing rough pencils, and then Tony's coming in and doing an ink ink pass, and then uh John Lucas is doing finishes on everything else so uh it looks it looks spectacular You've got three really talented guys handing the pages back and forth um and it's uh you know it's gorgeous so you know n- nobody looks at a page for so long that they start sort of you know moving through things quickly. Everybody has the page for just enough time that they can give it all the love they've got. Um, and then Lee Lowridge is coming back and he's coloring it and the, the, you know, the pages are just spectacular. I couldn't be happier with the art. It, it definitely holds up to everything else we've done with, you know, that's always been sort of the thing with Fear Agent is we wanted it to be the thing where, you know, creatively for our, for our new, nerd juices, if we were to be hit by a, you know, collective bus, um, say a double decker bus, uh, catches into us, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to start going into, into work.
2: <laughs> you don't want to get me started either, please. <laughs>
3: uh, but, but, um, the idea behind fear agent was like, look, you know, it's something that's ours and we're going to drench it with love and, uh, Tony and Jerome and, and Hawthorne and, you know, Kieran Dwyer helped out for a little while. Um, all the guys who have been involved in drawing the book have always given it 100%. And, um, in L- Lower Jazz as well. I mean, I think I, I think it's pretty pretty much his, his defining moment of his career in terms of, you know, the kind of color work he's done and Michelle Madsen, the work she did over Jerome as well. And, you know, Russ Wooten as well, the letterer, has just, you know, I, I noticed that when the pages are finally lettered, Russ's stamp and it's his style, the, the you know, the, the, the style he's chosen to letter this thing in really makes it look like a Fear Agent page. So um, it's been a love letter uh, to the, you know, the EC stuff that we're big fans of, but it's also been sort of, um, it was very important that not one page get rushed and not one issue feel like, uh, you know, the, the shipping schedule shows that we've sort of put the quality of the of the book ahead of, you know, getting it out on a, on a regular basis. And it, it hurts you in the short term, but I really do think once we have an omnibus collection put out and, uh, you know, you've got all 32 issues in one hardcover collection, and every single page is as perfect as we could have made it, um, it it'll it'll be nice. It'll stand as sort of a testament to the uh, you know the will we had to make make something uh, memorable out of a science fiction property that- uh-
2: and I think that's totally the case. I mean, going back to the first, you know, the earliest issues to how they are now, you could just see, that not that the earliest issues were bad, but the, the level of quality and care seems to have been turned up with each issue. Like, it just looked a little nicer and just all came together a little bit, you know, a little tighter. Um, yeah. So it's been you've very also
3: cool. got develop, You've got, the guys are sort of developing along the way. You know, and I think my writing as well, I think it's also a really nice sort of uh looking back to the first issue that I wrote in 2005 versus what I'm writing now in 2010, um, you know, I've been putting out four or five books a month every month consistently since, so that's like I've, I've written 5,000 or 6,000 pages in, in that time. Um, and, and uh, I still, you know, there's stuff that I cringe at. Tony and I were laughing because there's some drawings he wanted to fix in the first couple issues, and, and, and I wanted to change some dialogue. And we're like, what are we, George Lucas? You know, no. <laughs> it's 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 a journey and you know some of that stuff is a little bit clunky but the heart is still there and it's still a real pleasurable uh, experience when people read it but you know in terms of in terms of what the guys have done artistically it it is interesting to see as they progressed and as Tony and Jerome got better and better month after month and and hopefully I did as well um you know that they were also kind of challenging one another to up the you know up keep the bar high and it it it, it has consistently gotten better i think that uh as you read the series and and uh, it pulls you in that you also get to experience watching two of the best artists work and kind of, you know, evolve...
2: Yeah, very cool. So, um, so I should also mention that uh, we we kind of asked the Twitterverse to some questions that people wanted to have answered. We're gonna get that later on in the show. But one okay. of the the most the question that came up the most um, was, will there be an on the bus? I think everybody and you referred to it earlier. So, is that confirmation that there will be a Fury agent on the
3: bus? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've already, I've already. Had, I know, but to reiterate yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, uh, we've been talking about it with our course for forever. And uh, and once this is, you know, obviously it's a ways off because we don't, we want to make sure that the, the retailers who order this, you know, that the singles have plenty of time to sell them and the retailers who have trades on hand have plenty of time to sell them. And I don't necessarily think that omnibuses kill trade sales, but I understand that, you know, they, they want there to be a little bit of a break between there. So, You know, we'll do the five issues, and then, you know, six months later the trade comes out, and then I would guess another six months after that we'll see an omnibus of of all 32 issues. Whether or not it will have, you know, there's also Tales of the Fear Agent Volume 2 that will be shipping at the same time as the uh, out-of-step trade paperback. So um, at that point we'll have two volumes of the Tales of the Fear Agent stuff. We might try and do a a hardcover sort of companion that'll go with the omnibus so you have everything in in hardcover format. Um, But I don't think that we would put... The omnibus would be too big at that point. It would be coming in at, you know, giant sizes, which I know they can do, but... For me, I think I think thirty-two page, thirty-two issues is good, and then we'll do the tails in a separate
2: one. Yeah, that's very cool, and and I I gotta say, I mean, that's a good question as to whether or not omnibuses you know cut into trade sales or not. And I don't think they do. In fact, a lot you know, I, I don't think enough statistically enough people do this, but a lot of people get them all. You know, like the collector mentality still sets in. You know? right. <laughs> so maybe it helps. Right. But um, I think there's
3: different markets. You know, yeah. people who have heard about Fear Agent, and you know, the buzz has been tremendous. Um, you know, over the years it builds and builds, and thanks to Thanks like to you know intelligent reviewers like yourself who, oh. who you know trust and hear good things about it from, um, but it's still it's still like to pull the trigger on something, especially something that might look like kitschy science fiction that you're not sure that you you're, you're into you know, and, and the majority of the mo- modern comic book fans are not big um, you know EC freaks like a lot of you know a lot of us older guys are who sit back and just drool over Wally Wood pages and you know, uh, so I think that that those people. You know over time, as they 've heard good things, heard good things, when an omnibus is on the shelves and they know that this is the whole story, there's something very nice to, about the knowledge that there's no you won't have to be the guys who you know waited for the next installment fear agent we've always worked really hard and i've you know worked very hard to try and make sure that every cliffhanger is uh, you know exciting and enthralling and something where you 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 know you you really can't wait to see the solution to it and it's part of the fun but I know that because of the gap between issues it's been frustrating for some people um, and I think that the omnibus will you know draw in a whole different audience than the trades do and um, you know and then people who hear good things about the omnibus might not want to drop the money can always go buy the first trade I just think it's different you know I yeah think that sure. I think people will cross pollinate a little
2: bit. Give them options. Give them options. So, um, so to go back to the to the upcoming series. Uh, so you mentioned the the title of this story arc is Out of Step. So I have to give you a little nod for uh, ending up with one of my favorite hardcore bands reference. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Most, some people might not know about it. I know we talked. To, I don't know if we talked about this actually on recorded or not. But all the titles of Fury Agent are references to hardcore hardcore songs, hardcore bands. Right.
3: Except for Hatchet Job, which is right. my favorite band that should have been hardcore, like you know the Hot Snakes, and I know yeah. they're not hardcore per se. It's so many amalgams of all these different things. But the Hot Snakes to me fit in that legendary band category. So when I was going through, I was like, you know what? I, I I'm going to break rule on this one and go go with the Hot Snakes on one title. But yeah, <laughs> all the all the others are are you know Bad Brains, Bad re, Bad Religion, Agent Orange, and, and now Minor Threat.
2: Not not a bad grouping to throw in there, and I put hot snakes in there. Oh,
3: not so. bad religion. I'm sorry, black flag. Black flag. Black flag. Yeah, I was gonna say black flag was in there, yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But um, so cool. So out of step. So so, if you're agent number twenty-eight, out of step. It's the first issue of the out of step arc. So where does the story pick up? Where if if people are just jumping on, like where can they expect with with Heath's situation right now?
3: Um, well, it's it's you know it's so complicated. I just got done writing the story so far, and it's like half a page because I wanted the the people who did pick it up and, and hadn't read the book to get some sort of a background, but. Honestly, it's sort of like the people. I had some friends that were trying to watch The Wire season five, and they just didn't get half of it. <laughs> um, and, and they, you know, they're like, Why well, are is so brilliant? And I see the writing is sharp, but what is this? I'm like, well, because they're, they're, they're building on things that were seeded in other seasons, and the payoffs that you're getting are, are really um, only going to work if you've read the whole thing. So the, the difficulty in, in, in Fury Agent at this point, given that we're in the last arc, is it really, it, it really is structured as one big story. Um, you can go back and read Volume one or Volume three as an introductory volume, I think um, obviously, I prefer people to start with one and move forward. Um, you know I don't want to dissuade anyone from reading the book, obviously, but um, where we where we left off last time um, was sort of uh, you know um, an end point for so many of the arcs in in, in, the, in the the things that we had been sort of building into in the in the, in the in the volumes, in, in the previous volumes, we had, uh, you know, you've got the Dresites, the, the major alien races in this. There's just a couple. There's the Dresites and there's the amoeba folk, uh, and then there's the Tetaldians, and they're the 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 once monkey men who now are brains in robots. Um, and the Tetaldians and the Dresites and uh, the humans have not all gotten along very well. Uh, the Dresites and the Tetaldians arrived on Earth one day. And, uh, and uh, we're having a bit of a dispute. And uh, most life on Earth was annihilated. And that was the Anubis conflict and the thing that sort of Keith lost his son and his father that day. And, and it sort of gave rise to the fear agents and the battle against the alien invaders. And, um, and in order to get rid of the alien invaders, Keith had to commit a uh, genocide, so to speak. He had to wipe out an alien race of these Drezites, and very few of them remained. So a lot of what we've been seeing in the other volumes is Heath and these Dresites having sort of conflict and dealing with one another as Heath is sort of being hunted by these remaining Dresites, And the Dresites then, you know, went back to Earth after people had started to rebuild and they populated it and infected it with these feeder aliens. Um, And so a lot of what's been going on is Heath and and humanity versus the Dresites. And I think that uh, what we saw at the end of the uh, Eye Against Eye arc was that the um are the big players all along. As the Drezites and the humans sort of realize what's going on and make peace, um, Heath blinks his eye, and uh, all of a sudden every human, you know, they're having a bit of a celebration out in front of the Alamo um, about the, the peace accord with the Drezites. Heath kisses his wife and opens his eyes, and every human in the audience is suddenly uh, a Tetaldian human hybrid sort of a, a robot zombie monster. Um, and he doesn't know what's going on, and he looks down, and his his daughter Eden is, you know, half-robot, and she shoots him in the gullet, and he falls over, and he's clearly dead. And that's where we ended the last arc. So um, starting on an issue 28, we, you know, we resolve all of the sort of loose ends from uh, from eye against eye, and we build into some, some you know, complete insanity from there.
2: I can't think of a better setting to wrap things up than the Alamo, too.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The the uh, it, it, I can't help myself. You know, <laughs> being, being the, the 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 Lone Star Texan space space cowboy. Everything, yeah, <laughs> everything always draws back. Like I put the Alamo back there. I'll just have the Alamo as a space station that follows him around. <laughs>
2: I I was going to make some reference to his belt buckle as well, because I'm looking at the art for the cover, and that belt buckle is huge. So...
3: (laughs) Yeah. But. yeah, he's got a bigger one. That's the thing. The whole plot is, is actually going to be revealed that we, it all revolves around his belt buckle, which has been controlling everybody the whole time and have been the master manipulators.
2: It's, it's a sentient. It's a sentient belt buckle He never knew.
3: <laughs> so, cool. There you go. No reason to buy the series now. Spoiled. <laughs> it was the belt buckle.
2: <laughs> so, um, all right, cool. So, it all kicks off in Fury Agent 28, and uh, that that's on sale, I think, July 28th, I think it goes on sale now, so... Um, that's what I have here. I could be wrong. We'll post the, the correct date. Um, but yeah, people definitely should check it out. I mean, Fearagen's been a long one of our favorite titles, and I know we're you know going to be sad to see it go. But it's am like, I'm 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 as I get older, I'm okay with the ending. You know, because we like sure. we, you know our vague references to the TV show that just ended that we won't name, but um, has you know has brought up like actually one of the guys on our website wrote an article comparing it to Claremont's X Men, and he was saying the difference being that you know Lost or Fear you know, this are ending, whereas X Men will never end. You know, so it's right. like, it's like nice to close the book sometimes. So It's
3: hard to write, you know, story, the idea of story, um, so much of it hinges on character arc, on a character starting off in one place and, and growing and learning and becoming something else and sort of the identification that the viewer can have in watching that in that transformation as, um, you know, as farm boy Luke Skywalker becomes, you know, rebel Jedi badass or, you know, Han Solo, the, you know, tough old grifter becomes heart of gold Superman hero guy, and uh, you know using star Star Wars as the easy sort of uh, comparison, but it's difficult in a in a never ending series or something like this because when you when you do arcs and characters grow and change and transform and have their environments affect them um, you have two types of of viewers I think you have people who are very comfortable with the sitcom format where they want things that happen it it it's dramatic there's an emotional heartstring pulled maybe and then they want things right back to where they were the next day uh and then you have other people who are sort of more committed to seeing things develop and seeing an actual story and uh in terms of you know what hbo has added or you know going back even further to something like twin peaks which sort of gave birth to most of it or the prisoner if you want to be an asshole um <laughs> the uh, you know, the idea that people want to see something where there are character arcs and the characters do have, you know, a path to follow and it's not formulaic and it doesn't just there's no reset button every 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 week for the new episode. Um and in terms of and in terms of that, um, you know, I think things like things like Fear Agent are better to end where they were initially intended to end, you know. I mean the book's been a tremendous success for us and has done a lot for all of our careers. I think people's enjoyment of it, you know. Um It's got. I I think it's really easy for me to um, keep working with Jerome and Tony because we've each done four or five trade paperbacks of material together through this, and people respond well to it. Um, So, it might be something. It might be a mistake to end it, but I, I honestly think that this is how I wrote the story in the first place, and it's something that I've been on the. You know, Tony's had to talk me back down a few times where I'm like, well, you know, but then this and that, and he's like, yeah, let's just go with your original outline. Uh, and I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> sticking to that integrity, it gives you a full character arc. You see the growth of the character. Um, we reveal a lot in this final arc about some of the missing pieces in Heath's backstory, like you know how uh, he and Charlotte fell in love. Things that like you're just sort of told and expected to understand in the story hence far. Or uh, oh, they're in love. Well, we see why they're in love, and we've never met Heath's mom before, and so I'm delving into a lot of that and and doing the final polish on who this guy is as a character piece. And, um, it it has a nice natural ending. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best to just look at it like there's other stories and there's other characters we can develop. And, um, hopefully we can, we can attach or we can, um, connect with the, the viewers and the readers, how we have with fear agent, but, it feels it feels there's a nice integrity to finishing it the way we planned I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it will go it will long live on our shelves and be one that we recommend and turn people on to and hopefully continue to sell well in the reprint edition for you guys for years to come.
3: <laughs> I hope. You know, again, like i I've already said this, but I really do think that there's something to be said for when people know a story has a beginning, middle and end. And uh, you know there there's you know, there's an, inten- an intention in Fear Agent that's been there from the beginning. You know, you can write a five-page outline, and it literally turns into 32 pages of comic. You know, like, it, it was all bullet-pointed about things that would happen in it. Um, but I never expected we'd actually get to the end of the thing. And so, anyway.
2: It's an accomplishment. Yeah, Congratulations. So, so okay. is, there, is there any update on, uh, or any, any sort of information about uh, Fear Agent and other mediums? I mean, I know a couple of, a couple of weeks ago we posted the, the, the fan-made Fear Agent video game. That was pretty cool, and thank yeah. you for that. So yeah. I know a lot of people enjoyed that. Um
3: there's yeah there's that I mean it's nice because there's there's such an underground of you know the fans the Fear Agent fans are you know, just amazing it's so flattering there's, there's there's been a sculpt that's made that we're 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 talking about getting made into a series that's cool. just gorgeous but the um for other media stuff the big thing that's coming up is the Fear Agent Viewmaster series um <laughs> Now you we're not going to actually be, you know, making viewmasters and I don't think they still make them I could be wrong. So you'll have to actually go and get a viewmaster and it's it's not being like mass produced, you know, but I am taking photographs and like and like cutting them out and then putting them on like transparency and the uh, little wheel, them. the white wheel, right? <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm taking like I'm taking an oatmeal box and I'm cutting off the top of the lid and if you want to come to my house and just, you know, sit around and check out some Fear Agent Viewmaster, I just figure that's the kind of thing that, you know, some sweet bros could totally do. <laughs> Mostly just you, Ron. Okay. Awesome. I, 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 it, it, is it weird if I'm it's just not the right time? <laughs> I've got I've just got so many complicated feelings. <laughs> Wow. It's a personal invitation to to, to read Fear Agent and View Master him? I just want you to come over and look at my Fear Agent Viewmaster with me. Think- and whatever happens is gonna totally be between us. <laughs> totally on the on the QT, my friend. That's how we will in Portland. I know well, you guys think you're all liberal in San Francisco, but we do crazy shit up it's, here. It's just
2: crazy, wacky stuff in Portland. All right. Well, you know, I'll, I'll start looking at flights. We'll have a good time. It'll be fun. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so I'll take that as as a subtle jab that there's nothing else that you can talk about in the world of Fear Agent other than the new series. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm just waiting to see how you segue out of that.
2: <laughs> there's no way I can. You just got to move on. Just,
3: just, say, And just say I'm yes. just going to abruptly say it's time to move on. <laughs> um, no, there's, there's, uh, there's no news with the, with the, with the film stuff that I can talk about. Hopefully by San Diego, um, but it's all under, under lock and key. I think that there's, um, you know, I, I think people, uh, people want a fear agent movie. I know I do. Yeah. Uh, I probably want one more than most anyone else, actually, as it turns out. I
2: could see you as having a vested interest in that, but but I think it'd be fine.
3: I don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, when news comes, I will make sure that we give it right to you first. Oh, thank you. Because you well, know. anyway. you'll, you'll be in my basement because I, I lured you in with my ViewMaster trick, so I could just come downstairs and tell you by then.
2: Right, exactly. But I won't be impressed because it's not a ViewMaster. So I've already seen the pinnacle of entertainment. <laughs> you'll
3: be, you'll be, you'll just be so hungry. Right, exactly. So hungry. Please help. Oh, I, I don't. Look, man, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about any of this. <laughs> 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 right. Well then so- you're, just ha- you're just happy it's not time for another Rape <laughs> <laughs> Oh sure man That's terrific oh, That's great news
2: I'm just more curious what your wife is doing while you're downstairs <laughs> Doing viewmasters with me
3: <laughs> well, she's, she's none the wiser She keeps her mouth shut She knows how to play ball <laughs> she knows how to Papa's, Papa's career is on the rise she knows, she, she knows who butters the bread And on what side And all those things and stuff. dear lord so um
2: so moving on from fear agent um i was I, I, some of the news that came out of c two e two I found interesting was that you are now delving and in marvel into the x universe into the x into the x men's world with x force yeah yeah so what's, yeah, yeah, yeah what's the story there
3: um man i have uh i have not had this much fun in a while, i mean as somebody who was you know um hook, line, and sinker for the X stuff growing up. I mean, I started in 19... Was it 84? Ooh, I don't even good time. Anymore.
2: Good time to jump on board um, there.
3: It was, and you know, at that time in order to get back issues, you had to go to the dusty the dusty old comic shop and pay 20 bucks a piece for, you know, VG fine copies of the of the stuff, because by that point, the the Burn, you know, Claremont stuff had, had become collector item, back issue territory, and so I think I jumped on it like... It was John Romita Jr. Probably issue like 175 or 170 or something like that. But um, I mean, I had read a couple of issues and just was hooked. And so, of course, I was out mowing lawns. I mean, I'm a, I'm a walking cliche when it comes to my love for this stuff. I was out mowing lawns every weekend to go and get another 20 bucks to skate down to the the, the comic shop and get you know another issue of the uh, of the stuff to find out what had happened back in the day. So. I read, I read the stuff religiously until you know, ninety eight, ninety nine. Wow! It
2: was just, I, you held in I for a long San- time.
3: I stuck with it. Yeah. I was committed. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I moved to San Francisco, and I was just busted ass broke, and I needed, I needed drug money. So <laughs> it was, it was like, oh, I'm going to either find out what happened to Jean Grey, or I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get my sweet, sweet heroin, and uh, <laughs> and that horse, that horse has pull, but. Uh so I've uh, I've gotten into this thing and just and it's just hard it's I've already got, you know, 15 arcs worth of ideas. I've got so much stuff I want to do and the first one is is uh is to reimagine apocalypse for the for the Marvel universe right now and uh you know Jerome Peña's pages are just next generation legendary amazing. They're so beautiful. He's just dumping 3 Full days of labor onto each one I, cr- I can't build them up enough there's no way i say there's no way i say anything too much and people go that's a little disappointing you know all you do is look at it and go holy shit jerome Pena. and then you run to his house and lift him on in your shoulders and have a parade for him <laughs> um but people should because this stuff is gorgeous so yeah we're we're neck deep in that right now and um working with Axel Alonso on that again. And so Axel was the editor on the Punisher stuff that Jerome and I did. And, uh, it's, uh, it's great, nice, comfortable working relationship, you know, and, and Jerome and I speak the same language. I mean, I think at this point we have done, you know, four, four trades together. So, you know, whatever, whatever that is, four or 500 pages worth of material. Um, and then, uh, it's nice. It's nice to be given that vote of confidence on a big project like this. And, um, it's also nice to be able to do it with friends. And so it's very comfortable and, you know, uh, you're not trying to, you're not trying to figure out what the artist is going to do. I know what the artist is going to do. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. I wouldn't want to go into this in a a situation where I was getting comfortable with a brand new team.
2: Very cool. So, um, so is it inheriting the current status quo of X-Force? I mean, is it the Wolverine led death squad team with the gray costumes and the red eyes, or is it going to go in a different direction?
3: It's, it's not an entirely different direction, but it's a, it's a different direction. I I don't think I can say too much about it because I know everything. These are all closely guarded secrets. Fair enough. um, I gotta ask. You know, I'm not, I I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I have a, you, you know, if anybody who knows my sensibility for things knows that I, you know, I'm not going to do a straight up dark gritty, um, you know, uh, series. It, it just isn't in me. But I think that we have found, um, you know, it's like it, it, Axel always says, think Munich. And it gets me really excited because when I think Munich, I think, oh, that's what they're doing. You know, it, it makes it very human and I can really get my, my head around what the team is all about. And so in, in terms of, you know, um, of a character like Apocalypse returning and the, you know, uh, the, 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 the heroic age being a signpost for the time uh, that the age of Apocalypse begins and um, Wolverine and his, his teammates, and he's got a co-captain here as well to sort of keep the balance of power in check, given what they're doing, it seemed like a nice, uh, you know, a, a nice decision um, with a co-captain situation. It seems like if you're going to go out and, and and target somebody for assassination, you better have two heads, you know, put together to try and figure out if it's the right thing that you're doing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's a ton of fun, and I think it, it's it's for people who've been reading the book and enjoying it, it's it's very similar um, in in that the team is they're the shadow team. They're not, they're not in the foreground. They're not the people that are out taking pictures. Um, um, they're not the face of, of the, uh, the remaining mutant population. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's also, I, it, there's also a high adventure element to it that I can't help but infuse things with. And, um, I don't know. I think that when you see the new horsemen and, and, and who they are and, and how we're dealing with them and all these things, I, I, I think that people will be really excited, you know, and, and I'm definitely approaching it in a way where um, old old fans will be happy and new fans or people who are just picking up the book for the first time aren't scratching their head because I'm leaning on continuity. You know, I'm not. Everything, everything in there gets explained as if it were the first issue of a first series with a new villain and all of these things are brand new so that you know you can be uninitiated to the x-verse and and enter in this and you know it is i think old fans will be glad because i'm very mindful of what's happened before and and making sure that this is a natural progression from that stuff and that none of that is sort of swept under the rug but um what i am doing is making sure that i am writing this as if it's the first book of a of a brand new comic book and so i work really hard in this thing to make sure that everything um everything is accessible to a new reader and and all these characters are are defined and the villain is defined and you don't have to have read anything leading into it.
2: Well that's great and and as a as an X-Men world fan I mean, you, you throw out Apocalypse and Horsemen and stuff like that, and you, you definitely got my attention, and so it's good that it, doing it in a way to service fans like me who are obsessed with continuity, but then also bring in new people, because that's, that's, that's the real challenge with the X-Men.
3: It, it really is. It really is, and, and, you know, again, you also have to approach it in a way where, you know, you're telling a story that has has an arc, and you're doing that with characters that are, that are always around, and, and have been around, and in and out of, you know, in and out of existence, when it comes to, you know, some of the characters, and Anyway, I'm, I'm, it's a slippery slope because I start saying things that might reveal yeah, the characters. Okay.
2: But So so the one question I have, which is always anybody who tackles writing Wolverine is – and especially for you, writing Wolverine on the X-Men Shadow team, how do you resolve the fact that one of the co-leaders of the Shadow team is also a very public member of the Avengers? <laughs> Those two seem kind of at, at odds.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like his it's like the thing he moonlights at, you know, the Avengers know he's off he's off in San Francisco doing his X-business. The X-Men know that he's the face of of the mutants and I guess, you know, um there's a couple more now, but he's been the face, the mutant face for the uh, Avengers team and I think that I think that as a um, you know, as an ambassador that that that's worked pretty well. I think that you take your tough badass guy and you send him off to to be part of the big public shiny team and it's it's good for business, you know, and it's good to see a mutant out there. It's good for everybody else to see a character who up until uh, Bendis, you know, put him on the team, Wolverine was sort of the, you know, the, I guess, I, I'm trying to think in terms of what the what the rest of the world knew of him. I don't think much. I think that, you know, he was the guy who you probably would be afraid of if you saw. And this does a lot, him being on the Avengers does a lot to sort of, you know, make him heroic in people's eyes and, and this, you know, as a character, you look at what he's been through and what he's dealing with, and now that he's got all of those terrible memories sort of brought back to light, um, you know, uh, Wolverine probably needed something that that helped him remind himself that you know he's got a lot of redemption issues, and uh, I think playing a role in the Avengers and. and and whatnot has been done a lot to help that. I think that uh, you know, time-wise, I love Jason Aaron did an issue with Adam Kubert. Uh, I think it was seventy-five.
2: Oh, that issue was that that it was a two-parter. Is that two? And it's it was like a day in the life of Wolverine or a week in the life or something like that. It was great.
3: He he took a double-page spread and showed and, and showed all of the the various places that he's in during during the week. And it's like, you know, fighting Hydra with Spider-Man and then jumping forward with the X-Men. to fight. It was just amazing. And I, and he worked it into the character in a way that, that I've sort of, you know, uh, I, I've sort of embraced. It was, um, it's a really smart way to think of this guy who's always on the move, always running, always on the move, always running. And, whatever it is that he's done in the past, whatever blood is on his hands, whatever nightmares he's got. Um he, if he slows down, then it gives them a chance to start creeping back into his head. I really I really think that that Jason nailed it with that.
2: He's he's done an amazing job on Weapon X that title. That the Wolverine Weapon X has been the best Wolverine book in years in my mind.
3: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason's going Jason's going to be great with anything he's handed, you yeah. know. I think that Jason's one of those guys that if he's got a if he's got a taste for the character, um yeah, even if he didn't, I I, I just I, I trust in Jason Aaron. Yeah, nice.
2: Very good. So yeah, so I'm excited to read your X uh, X Force. That should be fun. And you're also uh, stepping into the Deadpool territory, aren't you?
3: Um yeah 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 yeah. We've got a um uh Pena and I getting a, a a chance to take a crack at Deadpool is a lot of fun. And we did a a big a big I think it's a nine or ten page story in the upcoming uh, Deadpool. Anthology. I forgot the exact title of it, but it ships I think, in in August, and um, it's one of the it's 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 Jerome going to just town on it. Uh, it was sort of something that we were doing. Um, well, he was doing it while I was getting uh, X Force done, and uh, he had all the time in the world to just drench it in love. And it's the most ridiculous thing. It it was uh, it, it really goes back it, tonally to what I used to do in my underground days and in, in books like, you know, like Blackheart Billy more specifically. Um, I realized that Deadpool is, you know, very similar in, in, in tonally to, to Blackheart Billy. And so as I was writing it, it it got I got to scratch an itch that I haven't been able to scratch in a long time with you know high adventure absurdity that was also sort of self aware. You're
2: you know, totally um, right. Now that I think about it, I mean it's funny because you said you were writing Deadpool, and I kind of scoffed because admittedly I'm not a big Deadpool fan. But given and, give Blackheart Billy and given just what I know from talking to you, albeit ten minutes ago with the Viewmaster, you know like, I think writing Deadpool could be something you could do pretty well at. You know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a certain there's a certain aspect of the absurdity that you know he's um, he's it, it 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 speaks to a lot of what you know I did in my underground days where you know I've always tried to bridge the gap between my indie sensibility and my mainstream sensibility, and sometimes falling into the middle school can make it difficult because the uh, the super indie don't necessarily want anything that has you know a tinge of mainstream and the mainstream might not understand the tinge of indie but I, I kind of think that if you handle Deadpool correctly, which I hope we did, that you get a laugh every couple pages, as well as looking at some really, really nice superhero art. Um, and uh, we've we've gone just bat house crazy with it. Yeah, it's very similar to the Viewmaster story in, in tonality. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I don't know how much I should... I don't know. No, don't. No, it's no. got a scene in there that I think will go down in, in nerd history. As I, I can't believe... It... Um, it, it, it it's ridiculous, but anyway. So yeah, that, that, <laughs> something that comes to, out in August. And something to look forward to. People who haven't, um, <laughs> people who don't haven't read Fear Agent* or, or, or *The Punisher* and don't know what Roman and I do together, uh, you know, pick this thing up and, and get a taste of our first crack on an X character. I think it's, I think it's good. Very cool, very cool.
2: So, um, and in addition to you know, you've been you've been in addition to the X Force and Deadpool stuff, you've been plugging away on on The Punisher and with the Frankencastle storyline. I got to admit. I mean the art, the art, the whole art, and the stuff Tony's done has been amazing. But I've enjoyed the hell out of the story, and I was, I was, I wasn't sure I was going to buy it. And sure. I'm hook, line, and sinker at this point. It was great. It was a ton of fun.
3: Well, I mean, I uh, I've had a ton of fun with it. It was one of those things, you know. And I I I uh, when I pitched it to Axel. Basically, at the end of Dark Rain, I'm like, look, you know, Frank basically just had to kill his own family. The Hood is delving in all of this Dormammu black magic and, and resurrecting people left and right. Um, and he basically, he basically takes, um, uh, digs up Frank's family, and you know, Frank wakes up in a, in a, in a demonic chamber. And um, as Microchip shoots G.W. Bridge in the face as he's strapped to an altar the energy then uh, finishes the spell and resurrects Frank's family. Um, and with Frank's family resurrected, Frank waits two beats and makes, uh, makes Firebrand, torch him, put him back in the ground. And for me, that had to twist the knife in a long-term way. And you know, as I was talking, to Axel, I kept using the word monster, and monster, and monster. He's a monster. He's a monster. He knows he's a monster. And so as we were um, then getting ready to kill him, And I knew that you know that that was where I wanted it to go. I wanted Frank to be so demolished and beaten down that when the list came around and when Osborn made his made his play, that whoever Osborn sent was going to kill Frank. But kind of they were a gun Frank uses to kill himself, and that's something we delve into in the upcoming Doc and crossover with Dark Wolverine. Um, And so. Frank does sort of use Dawkins to kill himself. I mean, it is sort of a suicide play. And Frank is completely broken down. And by the end of that fight, you know, he's, he's slinging a knife blindly. But Frank's head someplace else. Frank's dealing with something else. And so when we, knew, when we knew he was dead and cut to pieces, I had a number of different solutions and ways out. And one of them is a real thing called extracellular matrix that I've done a lot of research on that is a powder that regenerates human... It, they, it's it been used so far to regenerate, like, fingers. Like, literally, if you're, a guy's finger gets lobbed off, you can use this extracellular matrix and regenerate your finger like a fucking lizard. It's insane. Oh, my and God. And it's real. Oh. So for me, I'm thinking, like, if that's real, and it is a real thing, you can go to YouTube and watch the and watch videos about it. Um, you can read all kinds of articles on, on the web all about this stuff. I'm thinking if that's in the real world, then Reed Richards must have kicked out some science at some point people are using, you know, like... Tony Stark, some person, you know, Stuart Clark, I don't know, some bad <laughs> genius must have must have concocted that times five in the MU. And um, basically, I was just going to have this extracellular matrix stuff, you know, re- regenerating him, and, and I kept vi- envisioning it. You know, um, he he looks like Frankenstein, looks like Frankenstein. And I was like, oh, my God, he's a monster. He looks like Frankenstein. He's a monster. He looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um and I got on the phone, and, and, and I was talking to Tony about it, and it, it sort of tied into something that we had been trying to do. Um, he and, and Jason, Aaron, and, and Fraction, and I had been talking about the monsters a ways back and, and had uh, some ideas for some, for some miniseries things that we wanted to do. And one idea that I had was that all of the monsters are being hunted to extinction and that they've moved into the Moorlock Tunnels underneath New York um, and you've got all of these Atlas Era Kirby and, and and Ditko beasts crawling around down there, and all these Gerber Era '70s guys. It sort of you know the Legion of Monsters, which hadn't really been reformed except in a few few small shorts and and minis, um, were down there protecting them. And so our, once I had once I had Frankenstein, uh, you know, once I had patched up, cut up Frank Castle, I was like, oh my God, you know. Extracellular matrix is boring. It's got to be like Morbius uses what he knows about his old pal Frankenstein to resurrect Frank and put him back together to help them with this this onslaught. And um, you know, the Bloodstone is something that I've always been a big fan of, and it's one of these really super great, powerful Marvel relics that always, you know, it existed all, uh, mostly in like the horror in the horror verse and all of their different monster books. And then, of course, you had that famous Greenwald Kieran Dwyer arc, where uh, uh, the Bloodstone saga. You know, that was one of the one of my favorite things when I was when I was reading books pretty rapidly. Is the, uh, uh, rapidly is the um, uh, the Bloodstone saga, and so I was pretty familiar with how that power worked, and I knew that the the main thing about the Bloodstone is that the Exo Mind gives you power proportionate to your desire for revenge. And then I just had a giant boner and I was swinging it around my office, knocking things over and screaming out loud, proportionate to your desire for revenge is what I would say to myself over and over again. Because, um, the, all of a sudden you start thinking about Frank Castle, you know, um, extracellular matrix. I mean, that's real boring. You you know, what if Frank Castle ends up with the bloodstone and he does end up with the bloodstone. Fucking Christ. (laughs) Um, you know, it gives Frank the opportunity. So Frank is Frank is um one of the one of the themes in the Punisher stuff has been redemption and, and healing from what happened with his family. Um he's fighting zombies and the sounds sound like, you know, his family. Um when they came out of their their, their coffins. He's he's having nightmares about about them burning and walking towards him and asking him why and i think he realizes throughout the course of this with all the supernatural mumbo jumbo he's been dropped into is that it wasn't his family and that's why he put him down he knew it wasn't his family uh, you know they were something else all of this craziness that's going around that wasn't but, you know whoever whoever was in those bodies whatever energy was in those bodies it wasn't it wasn't maria it wasn't it wasn't the kids so um he's he's sort of you know fighting against Telskard and these in 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 the um Hunter of monster special force, but he's really he's really healing physically and mentally from what we did to him in that second in that second volume and i i you know i I'm, I'm i think people who i think people who read it and and give it a shot are have that same reaction that you had. I think that you can look at that and think that you know oh that's silly, but it's it's um it's something that it, it it's all about the execution and uh you know tony and, and roland and, and Brereton and I are in love with it, and giving it everything we've got, so people who read it seem to like it
2: good stuff and and so now and and as you said, Frankencastle Castle isn't going anywhere for any time soon right
3: um yeah i mean there's 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 stuff coming up i don't i you know i i, I without 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 spoiling anything i i'd say you know it, it's definitely that the next arc i still deals with it. Um, the arc after that is about the, the repercussions and things. Um, but, but I think that, uh, yeah, without without giving too much away, I would say that there's you know there's there's more changes in, in store for Frank coming up.
2: Very cool, very cool. So um, and then in addition to that, we were talking before we start recording. Um, I, I was just complimenting you on the l- most recent issue of the last last days of American Crime. How uh, um, I'm enjoying the the larger format of that book. Um, I know some some folks have uh, been curious, you know, what the release schedule looks like is and stuff like that. People seem been really enjoying it. What's the what? When's the next issue of Last Days of American Crime do?
3: Um, I, I think it's San Diego around around San Diego time. It, it's a little more than half done now, and you know we had a decision to make where, where it was either going to be you know um, ask Greg to speed up and, and crack the whip, or let Greg do what he's been doing, and look back on this thing as a hundred and fifty page love letter to you know uh, high concept crime stuff. And the 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 pages are so beautiful, and what he's doing is is so in, you know labor intensive. Every figure is perfect. Every every panel it has full background. It's such depth in each panel, beyond just the amazing staging and figure work that he he gets, and the the facial expressions and the palettes that he creates for each scene. You know that's one thing a lot of guys forget. And uh, Greg Greg is not just an amazing illustrator. You look at the palettes. Every time we change scenes, it's a new palette, and it's a brilliant new palette. I mean, like next generation, really smart. You could, you know, get Lichtenstein to put it on a, on a canvas and blow it up onto a wall, um, and and so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be San Diego. It'll be a little bit late, but again, you know, as, as we were just discussing, the uh, the nice thing about the 50-page format is that it's a big read. You know, um, when it does come out, it's not like it does obviously. You know, we I always try and do a story so far, so you get a little bit. Of, oh, that's right. Well, that's what happened, and you get caught up. Um, but then you get a big chunk of story, and so it's a story that you know. At this point, I've 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 written that thing a couple few times. I've, the screenplay is finished. I, I've written the screenplay now. That that thing got as much love and attention as I'm capable of. And um, beyond you know whatever I've done with it or haven't done with it, the art alone is is worth the price of admission for the. Uh, Four ninety nine. Well,
2: I love it because it's like I was saying, it's like a little mini trade. I mean, it's you know, like it's the kind of thing where it came out on Wednesday, and I actually actively put it aside to read. You know, on Thursday, on Thursday or Friday, like after you know, because because on Wednesdays you plow through your issues and twenty two pages sure. you get through them. But this one, I wanted to sit down and savor, and you know, it, it it works more in that you know kind of graphic novelty kind of format than an issue format. So uh, definitely very cool, definitely worth waiting for. So.
3: Yeah, it's a nice experiment, anyway. You know, I think that again, you're either going to wait. You know, if it were in twenty-two page increments, it would be coming out more frequent. But I think that you know, five dollars is you know, given that most twenty-two page books are four dollars, you're 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 going to end up getting twenty-six additional pages for a buck, and and they're they're top grade, amazing pages. Um, and hopefully the longer length, it helps you immerse in the story a little bit more without having it being broken up as a monthly reader.
2: Cool. And, uh, are you having fun with the whole movie world thing, uh, aspect of it? And you don't have to, I mean, I know you probably limited what you can say, but it's, that's good. It seems sure. to be progressing, right?
3: It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the screenplay has been, I had written a screenplay last year for triple X zombies and it was my first time around. And I think I used that to, to work out all my kinks. So going into this thing, um, and, and having you know, written a screenplay basically for the Bulletstorm video game that I'm doing for um, EA Epic People Can Fly, um, it, I was in a good place for this. And also given that I had written the comic book already, I'd done the entire story once. So then you know, rewriting it in screenplay format and then you know, having it sort of in my head it's, it's a story I know really well. And, um, anyway, I, I, I've done a couple drafts now and just to rave reviews, the final draft I turned in, um, you know, all the guys at CAA send me emails telling me how, how much they loved it. And, and it's, it's with, it's with two, you know, it's with a director and an actor right now. You know, Sam Worthington is locked in. He's going to star as Kevin Cash and produce it. Um, and the next actor is fucking crazy huge. And, um, it, it it obviously anytime you have somebody of that caliber their manager has to read the script before it gets to them and the manager read the screenplay and loved it so now we've got a super a-list badass reading uh reading the screenplay right now to, to play graham potentially and an amazing director um so i should have news definitely we'll have news by san diego what's on the horizon for uh, for last days of american crime but i I think from from what I'm seeing and hearing there's there's very little chance that that thing won't become a film. It sounds like fast track
2: that's awesome well it's it's a great story, and I'd love to see it in real people you know talking parts. <laughs> Real people, yeah, people talking parts. I'm tired. <laughs> so,
3: um, I like watching real people talking on
2: screen. Big popcorn, good. Well, it should be fun to see how it rolls out. All right, cool. So, um, all right. So, in, in our last remaining little bit of time, and, you know, I want to be you know respectful of your time. I'm sure you got a ton of stuff to do, but we did ask, like I mentioned earlier, we asked uh, posted on Twitter saying that we were uh, talking to uh, Rick, and we asked the the folks out in the Twitterverse and the i base if they had any questions for you. So, do you mind answering a couple? Sure, of course. All right, cool. And you don't have to be long-winded answers. They can just be yes or no or things like that.
3: I don't know how to do anything other than long-winded answers. I know, answers. exactly.
2: All right, well, our uh, first question is actually from Paul, who's one of our writers. He's at Fuzzy Typewriter on Twitter. And he wants to know, uh, are there more plans for the Mo- Marvel MonsterVerse following Dr. Voodoo and Frankencastle? Um, yes.
3: Yes. There, are. I I have plans for, for Dr. Voodoo that... Um, it may or may not come together, but the Legion of monsters the, we have we are in talks of doing things as well, so hopefully we will see both of those both of those uh those corners of the Marvel universe brought back
2: cool all right um goof Gnut, who has a couple of questions in here, wants to know um since you come from an animation background, do you see your scripts as a series of storyboards
3: well yeah, and i mean i 'm a storyboard artist too i I made my living as a storyboard artist for a couple of years, so um yeah, I mean i i I also like to work with artists who understand storyboarding because there's a fluidity to the storytelling that plays out on the page as if it if it if it were moving um i you know there's there's a lot of guys who handle pages as very static illustrated scenes and that's not the kind of comic books I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of people who would you know understand the rules of storytelling and I think that storyboarding is something that you know n- n- there's no comic book artist who learned how to storyboard and then it hurt their pages so yeah, I definitely do. I definitely it's hard for me because sometimes I'll be th- thinking in terms of beating out action how it would be in a storyboard, and I have to go through and go. You don't have space for every single one of those action beats. You have to pull it back a little. So.
2: It's an interesting perspective being on the other. You know, like you, you've been on the other side of the script, and you've been, especially in, in animation and video games and things like that, and then coming back and writing it, and and knowing that you're going to hand it to an artist. I gotta imagine it's it's going to be unique in that regard. So.
3: Well, yeah, it's a responsibility. Yeah. You know, we you, you know the kind of time that somebody's going to put in, how much of their life is going to be spent bringing what you're writing to, 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 you know, fruition. And it, it's a responsibility. It really is. And you have to make sure that what you're giving them is is very thoughtful and that you're not just moving through it. And it's not just, you know, I, I work really hard to make sure that if you look at most of my comic books, that you get very, very few, if any heads talking in a room, um, and anytime two people are talking, unless it's a very, you know, personal emotional moment that needs to be quiet and in a room, um, I always try and think of a secondary action that they can be doing so that, that there's something visually interesting and, and while the people are talking, you know? And so I, I think that that probably comes from the fact that I, I, I respect the amount of time the artists put in, and I want to keep things visually interesting as well as you know, captivating stories. All
2: right. Uh, David O. Wildgaz, and I apologize if I mispronounced that, um, says, Rick Remender, what are some of your favorite comics of all time?
3: <laughs> um, of all time, you know, yeah. I guess, um, the, the, the Klaus, uh, eight ball stuff, is probably in the very top of the list of re-readability. Um, oh, did you get Wilson? I did. I loved it. Oh, wasn't it
2: great? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah.
3: I loved it. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's got that old Klaus, you know, humor worked in there, but, it, but as well as in this very, um, this very disturbing character piece where you're not sure if you should be laughing and that's always the best, the best kind, um, and as that character was sort of developed uh, and, and and unfolded, um, it's just it's just uh, he's he, he he lives and breathes in a way that very few people can can, can make characters work. Um, yeah, so of all time, you know, Klaus definitely in the top um, for superhero stuff. I'm I am i will just argue with anybody about All Star Superman because I just love it. it. It it speaks to a lot of what I'm doing in the new X Force book. I've reread all of all of Grant's. Uh, X-Men stuff and reread All-Star Superman and it's very important that I, you know, I, I, I Jerome, Jerome Pena is on par with Frank, uh, you know, and so I've got to do my very best to try and bring that same kind of imagination and in-depth storytelling, so um, that stuff speaks to me and then obviously like Mike Mignola's Hellboy stuff um, and, and Frank Miller like everybody else, you know, year one, Born Again, um, all the, all the 80s Miller stuff and, and the Sin City stuff, I grew up reading that and was always a huge influence and um, Mike Zek, you know, anything Zek did, I was a huge fan of. Um, yeah, so I could go on and on. And, and then, you know, Evan Dorkin and, and Adrian Tomai and all that. I, I, I'm a nerd, you know, I'm, I'm just so immersed in this stuff, trying to highlight who's on the top of that list. You have to you – know, it's, like, it's like with music. You have to give me a genre and an era to get a list out of me. <laughs> exactly. I can, I can never
2: pick one like my favorite comic or my favorite music, you know, band or anything like that. It's hard to nail it a yeah, band. So. Yeah, for sure. Cool. alright uh, Jimmy f right. JimmyF18V wants to know uh, – what says that Last Days of American Crime is fantastic and wants to know are there any other stories in this world, like another guy trying something similar somewhere else in the U.S.?
3: Yeah, not. But it's not similar. It's more like you know, what are the militias doing, and what are there's a lot of. I mean, it's 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 America, and America finds out that it's got two weeks before no more crime. Um, so you got to think that there's there's about five mil five hundred million stories um, to be told. Um, so there are yeah there there are many many plans for other stories within this universe.
2: Excellent. All right, a couple of related questions here. Uh, RJ Spring wants to know if there's an omnibus in the works, and we said there is. Um, yep. And JGG0610, um, good guy, wants to know, are there is there any chance of Fear Agent moving to Icon? Which I'm going to guess no.
3: No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't see why. Um, I guess no. Dark Horse has been great, great to us. And, and I, I, I don't know. Not that, not that moving to Icon is, is an indicator that the last company you're with is, hasn't been great to you. Um, but the um, um, the book's coming to an end, and we're doing an omnibus. And, and Mike Richardson's running all the media stuff on that. So, and, that, and that's
2: no. the, and that's the thing I think what people don't realize, and, and you know, Lord knows I'm I'm several steps away from it from what I've heard, is that you know guys like Bendis and Brubaker and and Miller who are over at Icon, they literally are doing everything like they're producing their own book. You know, like it's 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 just the imprint. Whereas Dark Horse gives you some, they're they're marketing it, they're doing all that sort of. It's their troop, they're publishing it. You know. Um, sure. That's been my perception. Um, <clears throat> perception
3: so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that it's 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 probably very similar to the image deal, and that you own it all, and that you're running the show a little bit on it. But I know that I know that there's definitely there's definitely help there to be had. I, I just don't know anything about the deal. Um, so yeah.
2: Cool. Um, all right, Goof Gnut's back, uh, saying that on uh, one of the, our previous interviews, you mentioned that you were a while back you were agreeing to do work because you were afraid of work drying up. And, um, but now that you're established, uh, do you still have that work ethic?
3: I do nothing but work. I mean, you know, right now I'm literally, I'm writing, I'm writing Punisher. I'm writing, I'm writing X-Force. Um, I'm doing this last fear agent. I've got the last days of American crime comic coming to a close. I've got two other things at Marvel that are unannounced, and then in the middle of that, I've got um, Bulletstorm, which is you know this uh, gigantic, insane. If you like Fear Agent, this is gonna this is gonna give you a huge a huge boner. It's so much fun this game, and it it doesn't take itself so seriously. It's not one of these dark, uber, uh, uber realistic military military games, which are, are fun and have their time. This is just a, a joyful explosion of pulp science fiction and video game form. And, um, they brought me in and just let me go nuts with it. So, um, I've been, been busy with that. Um, and these, you know, and then the last days of American crime screenplay, that was no joke. That was a ton of work. Um, so this year I, you know, I've got a new, I've got a new daughter. I don't even know if she's around anymore. I, I've, I, I basically have been locked up in my, in my, uh, in my studio working 14 hour days for, you know, Longer than I can remember. I mean, even back in 2005, I was working full time at EA and I was doing Nightmare at IDW and drawing Men with the Screaming Brain at Dark Horse and and writing Strange Girl and Fear Agent and and Dolling Creature and Sea of Red. I mean, I've I I just made my mind up to make this make this work and to do what I wanted to do. And it's been a lot of work. But it's nice it's it's uh i am I'm, I'm very fulfilled and enjoying the pro- the projects that I have on, on my plate right now
2: it's good it's good to see it all you know kind of work out and get rewarded with more work i mean that's that's the thing is that work begets work when you do well
3: <laughs> so. it's true and it, but the hardest thing and I think speaking more to the question i I probably went off on a tangent is is the difficulty as a freelancer in remembering that um there's more work but hey there's more work there'll be more work, and you know um a- a- Axel has to remind me that, you know, like, well, what's going on here? It's like, there's more, there's more there's more work. <laughs> there's more work. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be okay. And, and, and so, um, I, I don't know how many years it'll take me before I can get that through my head. You know, Hey, there's more work, you know, um, there's, I've talked to so many f- freelancers about this who have been working forever and they never turned it off. You know, somebody told me a story once how Gil Kane, uh, you know, to the very end was, was overbooking himself to, to the, to the teeth. Um, because you you just I, I i don't know it's not a lack of confidence i feel I feel good about what i'm doing, and I'm working with really brilliant artists and very very pleased with with how I've progressed as a writer, not to be self aggrandizing or anything just confident I feel confident in what i'm doing um but I don't feel confident that i'll always have work. I just feel like every job's probably the last one that's going to come down the road i don't know
2: it's probably a good way to be it keeps you on edge yeah you know, it keeps you. That that you know yeah. that uh, that hungry right. that, that hungry aspect you know the hungry ethic but still.
3: But yeah yeah it does it may, you know you can't hack when you do that right. you got to make sure everything I'm I'm terrified so everything I do gets all the love I can possibly muster.
2: Yeah from. I'd much rather read you know kind of hungry you know non hacky work than complacent boring hacky work you know so. Sure 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 so, yeah. so cool all right um, next question comes from Alan twenty three D who wants to know if you're ever going to work with Greg Takini again after Last Days of American Crime he loved the book and hopes to see another collaboration.
3: Yeah, Greg. Greg, you know, I I, I imagine Greg is, is you know, I'll, I'll, I'm happily introducing him into my stable of dudes who get tricked into working with me forever. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, I I've um, Greg and I have been talking about a a science fiction project. There's you know more potential for Last Days of American Crime. Um, yeah, so I would say that, that you know between the the sci fi project we are we're cooking up together American Crime and whatever else we might do. I, I I'll I'll be working with Greg as long as he'll work with me.
2: Cool. Excellent. Um, All right, our next uh, two questions come from Larry's Comics, uh, who wants to know, why, oh, why does the current incarnation of Frank Castle absolutely suck ass? And he follows Mm -hmm. that up with saying, sales of the Punisher at an all-time low, are you responsible?
3: Are you per, are you Ron responsible? No, I'm not. I, he's, I think he's asking you.
2: Are you responsible?
3: And he, <laughs> no, that was directed at me. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. it was directed
2: at you. So, <laughs>
3: so. <laughs> well, what, how about you answer that, Ron? Are you yeah. respond? Am I responsible? I, I, you know, the thing is, is that uh, it's regional. If the guy's sales are down, I'm, I'm sorry about that. You know. Yeah, that's, well, that's
2: everyone should know, Larry. This is the, the tweet Twitter account from a retailer. So, uh, that, uh,
3: that's, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know where Larry's Comics is. I know that. Um, I tend to, I tend to sell better in big in, in in big cities and I'm not I'm not disparaging small cities I'm just saying that my my audience tends to live in the city um but the as for you know his sales going down and 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 his need to tell me that it sucks ass I, I wish that he had the um I wish that he was a little more human in in terms of you know uh, maybe maybe uh putting a little thought into his criticism and trying to not write it as if he's a 14-year-old boy um i don't i don't gain anything from his criticism it just it just sounds like um somebody angry angrily wishing that they could be doing what i'm doing um and that they would do it better um I can tell anybody who doesn't like it that we've we've given it all we've got and i uh i can't imagine you know i can't imagine between Axel and sebastian our editors and, and tony and myself and and Dan Brereton and now Roland Boshi. Uh, I can't imagine a team of people being more committed and more in love with something and giving it all they've got. And it probably speaks to the type of story that, um, that the, the, this guy and, and maybe the people in his store are used to. And maybe they're more of the sitcom people where they don't like to see things shaken up or, or change or, or, you know, morph into anything different. And that's just going to come down to taste, you know? So I think that, um, I think it, I think it doesn't help the industry or help anybody in in particular to, to, Publicly bandy about things like suck ass, you know. I don't know if he used an X in suck or not. No, no, su- it's,
2: it's straight, it was spelled normal. Suck, so normal. <laughs> it's
3: straight up. Well, there, there's a point for that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that in, I think that it would be better. You know, he would be better suited to, to maybe try and understand why the people who love it do love it, and to maybe, um, you know, not necessarily express as a retailer who's trying to sell the products such um you know vitriolic spiteful sort of you know
2: that does seem kind of know. weird that i mean you know especially criticizing about the sales at an all-time low and making you responsible when he he could be selling it you know like i'm not a retailer i, I, know, you know, I a retailer, yeah. you
3: know i was a retailer yeah you know i was a retailer for four years i know i know that that i didn't care for certain things people were buying and and um, I didn't care for certain things that I knew that I could sell, and it doesn't mean that I was lying to people, but I understood when when people liked uh, Gen 13 or whatever, uh, I read it. I understand why people were attached to it, and when people would ask me about it, I would tell them, what's appealing about it? Um, that was my job, and uh, I don't know. I, it, it's it's fine. I mean, I respect people's opinion not to like it. I, I wholeheartedly disagree, and nobody's made, a, nobody's made a point that's made me change my opinion about what we've done. Right.
2: Well, and um, he also follows up asking if if you've read Jason Aaron's Punisher mask Max, and do you like it? Which I think is a passive aggressive way of suggesting that it's a better version, but that's my interpretation. So,
3: well, I, I I think Jason's terrific. I love Jason. We're friends, and Jason's a great writer. But you know, Jason has defended to a few people who have come to him and said that, that Jason loves Frankencastle, Castle, and he he loves Tony, and I. We're we're all good friends, and so. I've written straight-up Punisher. If you want to see straight-up Punisher, um, the first two arcs are straight-up Punisher uh, dealing with the Marvel Universe. But all my rational brain can conclude as I'm writing it is that he lives in a world where he has to fight molten men. And 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 the insanity of the Marvel Universe, it doesn't make any logical sense that it wouldn't rub off on this guy. It doesn't. It's stupid. Like, it doesn't fit my character it it you know what ha- you don't know fit your character what happens to you you don't get to choose what happens to you i got my wife got in a car wreck and died that doesn't fit my character you live in the marvel universe these things are going to happen and i think that it's it's just the same as if 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 the Spider-Man book had started off as the you know the teenage adventures of peter parker and we had had a lot of that and we had seen what teenage peter parker lived like And then one day, some writer came in and had him get bitten by a radioactive spider. (laughs) Right? So we've been reading, I've been reading the Teenage Adventures of Peter Parker for years and loved it. But this story where he gets bitten by the radioactive spider and turns into Spider-Man is ridiculous. (laughs) That
2: doesn't make any sense.
3: (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't fit the character. It doesn't fit the character, it doesn't fit the character. You know what fits the character? Whatever happens to them, because you don't get to choose that shit. Yeah. I don't get to choose it.
2: Yep. All right. Um, okay, on to a, a lighter question. Um uh, CJ Babcock wants to know when is Remender's Earth 0 coming out? The preview image seemed really intriguing and awesome.
3: That is the thing that Tokini and I have been uh have been sort of uh bandying about and, and volleying around ideas on. Um I've got my I've got my story in mind for that as for when or how we could get to it. Um it depends. We might be doing a, another American crime arc um, at some point. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. And, um, yeah, you know, so it'll come out. I promise that we'll do it because we, we both really love the idea that we've got.
2: Cool. And a related question uh, Ben teaches math on Twitter, who is one of your biggest fans here in San Francisco, by the way. He shops at my store. Um, oh. He's curious what your next creator own project will be as Gigantic Fury Agent and Lest is American Crime will be finished soon. Smiley face.
3: Smiley face. Yeah, I don't have one. Um, Earth Zero is next up on the list. Uh, whenever I don't know when we'll get to it, but I'm going to dive into the Marvel pool, and uh, I'm going to just do a ton of Marvel work. I've got a lot of fun opportunities there, and I, I you know, a lot of characters I'd like to. And again, I'm always, I'm always just really drawn to the to the you know the lower tier trying to make them shine obviously something like like x-force is, is a list and you can't turn that down cuz you know it's just incredibly fun and it's big and bright and uh, you know but um there's so many characters i love in the marvel universe and i was always you know especially being such a um a collector nerd and a retailer and all the all the time that I've spent immersed in these things. There's so many uh, secondary characters and forgotten B-list guys that I'd like to get my hands on and try and polish up. And um, So, yeah, I, I, probably no creator own work for me after these things wrap up for a little while. I'm just going to be doing Marvel stuff for a bit.
2: That's fair. That's wrong with that. Focus is good.
3: So Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've done... At this point, I've done like thirty or something graphic novels of crater and stuff. There's plenty out there. Yeah.
2: Um, and our last question is is related to your most recent answer, which is: Are there more plans for the End League? Uh, and SBH twenty seven had that question. So,
3: um, there's other media stuff in, in talks right now, but there are no plans for more comics. Again, that one got that one hit the ending I had anticipated. Um, I, I it. it it was a, a little shorter than I had liked it to be. I wanted to, to have it hit, you know, 12 issues. But I cut out some stuff that was originally going to be issue 10 and 11. And we did a double-sized issue 9. So um, I got to the end of the story as it was originally intended. Um, I could. I do have an idea for, for another story, but I don't know when I'd ever get to it. Sure. Someday someday
2: yeah fair enough so cool excellent well thank you for answering everybody on Twitter's questions as well as answering my questions I really appreciate it Um, for sure and since we're on since we're talking of the Twitter you are on Twitter at at Remender if people want to follow you and and, uh, get your little short bursts of inspiration and
3: Short bursts of inspiration, or complaining about the rain, or telling you what I ate, or um, (laughs) what I thought about stuff. Yeah. Exactly. If you need If you need another sentence or two thrown into your brain to ingest during the day. (laughs) And
2: um, are you gonna be Are you gonna be in San Diego this year?
3: I am we got some big stuff coming up in San Diego, so I will be there um doing stuff for uh you know to promote the Marvel stuff and you know, I think that you know, Sam Worthington and hopefully a couple other actors and director and myself will be doing some last day stuff and um, I'll be there with uh, with Bullet Storm doing some panels about the video games. So yeah, I'll be all over San Diego. You'll this have
2: year. a busy con. That's good. Well, so fans can hopefully check it. Yeah, see you there and wait in line and get a get a, a signature, maybe even a sketch from the talented recommender. So
3: or a slap on the uh, slap on the keister, <laughs> a friendly little slap on the keister.
2: And we want to thank Rick for giving us some of his time to chat with us and to answer your questions. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out Fear Agent when it comes out this July in the final arc. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And check out all his other books like Punisher and the upcoming X-Force and Last Days of American Crime. Uh, If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at contact.ifanboy.com and go to ifanboy.com to check out all of our previous episodes as well as the other great writing and other comic discussion that's going on there. So until next time, enjoy your comics. There's no set of rules. I'm not telling you what to do. All I'm saying is I'm bringing up three things that are like so important in the whole world. I don't have to find as much importance in because of these things, whether they're whether they're fucking or whether it's playing golf. Because of that, I feel. A game bomb, a game bomb, a game